Ladies and gentlemen of Jets Nation from around the world, you're listening to the Good, the Bad, and the Jets podcast. On the move. A lot of time. Directing traffic. Gonna go deep. Has a man deep. It is caught for the touchdown. Corey Davis. Get used to the mantra, all gas, no break. To a throw the sideline. Let's go, man! (laughs) And now, let's kick it over to your hosts, Brandon Ferris and Spencer Klein. Welcome, everyone, to the Good, the Bad, and the Jets podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ferris, and as always, alongside me is Spencer Klein. And it is Memorial Day. Down here in Jersey, that means it is the start of the summer. I unfortunately did not make it down to the shore this weekend, but summer's in full effect here. I know we have a lot, I guess, to talk about for the Jets, but it seems like things are kind of dying down here. Yeah, I mean, still just in the honeymoon phase of this offseason and just still soaking it all in, but yeah, it is getting a little slow, and uh, I will say each time we talk until... Till July now is a training camp yet, <laughs> but uh, no need to be thinking about what's happening on week one yet. There's a lot to come until then for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's May thirtieth, so we we do have a special guest though today, um, who we really enjoy talking to, and I know Spence, you tracked him down as our VP of special guests, so you can give your thoughts on our guest is and uh quickly introduce him before we dive right into it yeah today we have uh paul esden jr also known as boy green on twitter one of the best jet content creators in my opinion die hard fan like all of us here uh yeah it'll be a fun conversation today just recapping as, as i already said at the start that's just still soaking in this offseason recapping his thoughts and what uh he expected going into it and where it resulted in. So good conversation, just continuing the good vibes. And it won't fall apart this time. I'm not going to make the joke until it falls apart. because It's not going to fall apart, but good conversation today. Good fall. What, what, what's not going to fall apart? Our guests or the team? <laughs> the or team, both? yeah. Sorry, let me, uh, I'll re, re-say that. <laughs> the team is not going to fall apart. That's those cliche lines that are being put to bed. Well, I mean, the... The hype train is still still in full effect. Hundred percent. I mean, I'm not really paying too much attention or too close of attention to it because all it is is hype right now. And until they get on the field, nothing really matters. I'm not game planning for the Ravens yet. Give me a, another month or two, and and we'll get into it. I say the only thing I know to actually, which because I've seen just just Twitter is obsessing over, is that Zach put on some more weight. It's kind of the only. Yeah, I think that people have been his legs look still good. talking about. Yeah, his legs look good. He's been with Braxton Barrios a lot. I do think I'll say this one thing. I do think it's Braxton Barrios season coming up. It seems like he's going to be the slot guy, and he's been working a lot with Zach. So I think he'll have a bigger role, especially with that big contract extension. Yeah, and it's still it's so curious to me that there's been no depth move at wide receiver 
besides the draft, but through the entire offseason. But as look, we're talking on May 30th, starting of excuse me, the start of June is about to be here. Some of those post June 1st cuts will come into play. So there'll be some more things involved, I'm sure. Some other players will come along and, and wide receivers specifically would like to see another addition there because you're right at the moment, it's totally very off season. Yeah, I think the guarantees start soon, so I'm sure a few people will be cut. I've seen rumors about Sheldon Rankins being cut. I hope he's not, but just one rumor to look out for. I think if if there is a surprise cut, it will be Rankins. Yeah, I could see that now totally with, with the depth they have at the spot. So, I and yeah, I'm on the same page, of course. Please keep him around. They have plenty of money. <laughs> the moves of the offseason are basically done the big ones so no need to to uh, mess around <laughs> with the yep. roster that they have in place yep exactly so I, mean, I got nothing else i don't think you have anything else so agreed uh let's kick it over to our conversation with paul and hope you enjoy all right spencer we have a special guest today i know you worked hard on getting him on so i will let you introduce him and we'll have a good conversation Absolutely. Thank you, Brandon. And yeah, today, very excited. Have a great guest, one of the best Jet content creators out there. We have Paul Esden Jr., who hosts the Manchild Show, host of the Jet Zone, and digital reporter for Heavy Sand. Welcome to the pod, Paul. Happy to have you today. Well, thanks for having me, boys. This is amazing. Love the intro. And yes, yeah, yeah, Brandon. No, well, that Spencer grinded. He did everything he could to secure <laughs> this interview for this podcast on this show. So uh, he went through hell and high water. Yeah, Spence, Spence does our uh, our Twitter DMs. So he, he was very excited to have you. We're both excited to have you. So again, thanks for joining. And Spence, I know you want to kick things off. So I'll turn it over to you. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's like we've been talking from now January to today. It was a huge, huge offseason. There was huge opportunity on the Jets plates, the cap space, the draft picks, a lot of needs they needed to fill. And I think we're all we're pretty happy. Well, I know Brandon and I, we've had our conversation. We're, we're happy with the results. So, Paul, let's turn it to you. What were your expectations heading into the offseason? Did they satisfy it for you? What, yeah, so what are your thoughts overall on how, uh, how this crazy path has went? I mean, for me, and, and they even went, uh, so to be blunt, they went above my expectations, and I'll explain why. I mean, I wanted to make sure we just came out of the Sam Darnold era that with Sam Darnold, when he failed, now, as we're seeing, he failed of his own accord. There's talent in Carolina, he's still not putting it together, but there was an excuse hanging out there. Well, the offensive line, well, the talent, well, the coaching, well, the this. We had to guarantee that that is such a frustrating thing when you can't yourself just say, oh, Sam Darnold sucks or Zach Wilson sucks or whoever. Like when you can't say that because there are other factors involved, that's the worst thing in the world because there will forever be the what if game. We're all at the bar and we're like saying, man, man, if he would have, would have, would have, should have, could have. I'm glad that Joe Douglas said F that. If Zach Wilson's going to fail, it's going to be because of him. It's going to, the coaching is here. Michael LaFleur, second year, the talent has improved, and we could go through all the different acquisitions they made. But that was the bare bones thing of making sure that didn't exist anymore. To me, I I think they did that. Again, the, the, the most, the wow thing to me 
is the tight end room from six months ago to now. Again, as a diehard Jets fan on top of my responsible jobs of like Jets digital reporter and that stuff, at the heart, I'm a fan. Again, you can see all the crap in my background here. Like, I love the Jets. So, and, and for me, it's a tight end room because like last year I was disgusted. I and I was teased, right? Because heading into the final roster cuts, right? They like cleared the entire room. And I'm like, oh, thank God, something big's happened. They're traded for I don't know who. They're signing, I don't know who. They're signing somebody, and then they just brought everyone back. Ryan Griffin, disgusting, Tyler Groff, gross, like all these just guys. And it was just nasty. And then this year, like get rid of all those grabs. We're going Tyler Conklin. We're going CJ Uzama. We're going with, uh, you know, a Jeremy Rucker. Like, the room is just completely flipped. I, I believe in any individual one of these guys, and we have depth. So if injuries happen, and they always happen to the Jets, that uh, you'll be prepared for those scenarios. To me, the thing that the Jets went above and beyond for is I wanted Zach Wilson to have a full-fledged offense. I didn't know how realistic that was because there's only so many opportunities for NC, trade, draft, and everything to try to check those boxes, and tight end is phenomenal. Wide receiver, you're four deep. Braxton Berrios, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and now Garrett Wilson thrown into the mix. And then the running backs, and this is where, like I said, I think we all make predictions, right? I do all the shows and say, you know, I think the Jets are going to sign this guy. I don't want him to draft this guy, whatever. And I thought to myself, and I'm like, you know what? Michael Carter is okay. He's good enough. Like they'll probably look at that and go, yeah, well, maybe we'll throw something on day three, but that's it in terms of the draft. And then they turn around and say, YOLO, we're taking Brees friggin' Hall, baby. And I'm like, whoa, that was just a, to me, that was a moment this offseason where my jaw just dropped. I went, holy flipping cow. You could have argued linebacker. You could have argued safety. Like, there was a lot of real position, a defensive tackle. Like, there was a lot of real positions you could have easily looked at and said, oh, okay, I, I get that. But they said, screw that. Brees Hall, they even tried to trade back into the first round for him. So, yeah. that was the YOLO offense all day, every day. Let's go score some goddamn points. Like, let's go out there and do something. That, to me, that, uh, that revved the engine. That exceeded expectations and of course they did a lot of work on the defense and rightfully so because that defense was straight trash last year so uh you know they're, they're getting a lot of help on that side as well but that to me was the biggest takeaway the biggest expectation was i want them to help out zach wilson and they more than helped out zach wilson so i'm really excited to see what this offense can do and score some points yeah I think they were, were, go ahead brandon go i think ahead. they were more aggressive than i thought they would be that hall pick yeah. was super aggressive in a good way yes. yeah a lot of people and PFF and the sports talk shows making fun of them for trading up, Whatever. trading a, a fifth rounder for him. I mean, Michael Carter is good. He's a really good 1B. Now they have a 1A, and they can actually run the San Francisco offense that they've been trying to do with poor players the last year. So now they have two tight ends and three if, if Rucker can play, and now they have three running backs. Tevin Coleman as long as he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. They have wide receiver depth. Hopefully we don't have to see guys like – Tariq Black catching passes this year. And, and yeah, like Montgomery. you said, the, the defense, <laughs> yeah, Montgomery. <laughs> the, the secondary, I think, was a big improvement too. We did not, Spencer and I did not expect them to go after a cornerback in free agency at such a high value of, of $11 million. And the both of us, we followed Connor Hughes a lot during the offseason. He's been very plugged in, but he was wrong about them not wanting a cornerback in, in round one. We didn't think Sauce would be on their radar. And I guess I'm pretty happy. Like a- after seeing the three picks that they had, I-, I wasn't crazy about him at four, but after seeing what they did with Wilson and then getting Jermaine Johnson, I think it was a, an A minus slash A first rounder. So 
I think the the tight end room and the secondary are probably their two biggest upgrades, which is Brandon, I mean, that's a great point, Brandon. Just to follow off that, it's kind of funny because you know, I love the draft. The draft is one of my favorite things of the year. And maybe it's because the Jets think every year and they have high picks and that's sexy to talk about. It. I don't know. But it just seems like I, I've loved the draft for a long time. And it's funny that sometimes there are players. Sauce Gardner is a great example, right? He is sexy. It's great. Like, he, he has swag, the analytics. He blew up the combine. Like, that's all great. And from afar, I was like, wow, that would be cool. But there's no way the Jets are doing it. So, like, I almost separated myself. Like, oh, man, he's probably going to go to the Giants. Like, that, I thought he was going to the Giants five or seven. I just didn't think. Based on it, Connor Hughes, great example. Connor Hughes is phenomenal. I love him. He's been on my show before. I, I really like Connor Hughes. And all these reporters are saying things like, uh, you know, the Jets would never draft a corner side. The Jets would never draft a running back. That's just not in their DNA. And we're trying to figure out Robert Sala after a year, right? The 49ers, you know, East and all these other things they call the Jets. And that's that was the other shocker was that they went corner double dip. So you mentioned yeah. DJ Reed. So sure, eleven million at corner. Some people were, some people may have argued legitimately that the cornerback room the Jets had last year they would have been okay because it was a pleasant surprise. Again, last offseason I eviscerated the Jets. I said, oh my Atlanta, they're gonna get crucified on a weekly basis. I said, you need a Richard Sherman, you need a Stephen Nelson. I was begging for a veteran addition. That's what this room needs. It needs something. And Robert Sala and his group said, you know what, we're gonna roll the young guys and while it wasn't perfect it wasn't revis cromarty reinvented however it was really good and it was a pleasant surprise so so there was an argument heading into this offseason wow they didn't add really anything significant to the room and they really liked where they were so maybe they're just telling us like hey man we're good at corner but they take DJ Reed and you're kind of like, okay, I guess that eliminates sauce then because you, you know, they, they like, uh, they like Bryce Hall. They like Brandon Eccles who got an unbelievable amount, amount of starts tip of the cap to Joe Douglas for a day three dart throw and up playing 13, 14 games last year. So maybe they're good. And so when they took sauce again, it was a stunning pick. I had a live camera on. We did a live stream for the draft. I was just like, I love the player. I think he's amazing. But sometimes they're just these amazing players that you think no chance are ever going on your team. So there was a sense of disbelief at first. Not because I don't like the player. I love the player. But that, to me, was a wow factor, 100%. The cornerback room. Now, Bryce Hall and Brandon Eccles, right? Those were two starters last year. Now they're three and four at outside corner. You have Michael Carter, the second in the slot. Like the depth is incredible. So that's another big takeaway on the overall theme of the offseason is, again, they are injury proof at several positions. Corner, they're deep. Running back, again, if one guy gets injured, you have the other. Wide receiver, you're deep. Tight end, you're deep. You have all these things that, like, if an injury, an interior offense line, Nate Herbig, I thought was a great waiver wire claim. Like, you, you look at some of these and you say, you could sell to yourself, wow. You know what? They've got depth and they're injury proof. That was not the case last year. One injury, like, woof, the whole house of cards falls over. So that's a great point, Brandon. The corners uh, were, I did not foresee that coming. I thought they may add a guy, again, whether it was uh, uh, Stefan Gilmore, who there was conflicting. You know, Ritzamini says, ah, they weren't really interested. Connor says, oh, yeah, they were in. And so people argue and debate about whether or not, who cares now because he's not here. But I, I thought they'd get a veteran corner, maybe, but to double dip twice, I, I did not see that coming. I remember DJ from the beat kept mentioning how the public, like really how Jets Twitter viewed the Jets corner room was not how they viewed it in turn. And I think a lot of us, I mean, I'm generalizing it, but a lot of us didn't want to believe that. Right. <laughs> like you said, like we were, some of us were comfortable with the cornerback group. 
after the season, agree with what you were saying. <laughs> right. Getting a last season, we're all definitely on our toes. I mean, what's going to happen here? But look at the at that the draft moment when they took Sauce. Brandon knows my face. We were together. I was like, I'm happy with it, but are we going to get screwed out of a wide receiver now? That was my worry. I didn't want to lose. I love Drake London. I love Garrett Wilson. I liked a bunch of the others too. I, I just didn't want them to, as you were talking about in the beginning. I didn't want to mess anything up about Zach. If that was going to cost them of something like that, I couldn't do it. But I, as right after that selection, I said to Brandon, look, if they still figure out to get the top, one of those top wideouts, you still get one of those top edges, you, you're going to be smiling. And the fact that they pulled that off perfectly, how, how can you not? And then, the, you know, what's it called? The, the cherry on top and Brees Hall. We, we did a post round one uh, review of that of round one. And I said to Brandon, as a joke, I was like, their F that pick and just go it all in would be to go actually take Brees Hall. Sorry if I said, I might've said Bryce Hall before. Yeah. Would be to go take Brees Hall. They actually did it. I was like, Holy yeah, a hundred percent serious about scoring points. <laughs> yeah. The scenario thing was the thing I think a lot of us talked about, like, okay, what you do here, then what you do here again, first world problem, having two top 10 picks, having four picks in the top 38. Again, the, we have holes. How do you fill them? And that was always it for me. Because if you went whatever position, corner or offensive tackle, which, by the way, photo uh, conference from Mackay Beckton, they didn't take somebody to the fourth round. There was Max Mitchell out of Louisiana, which a lot of us didn't see coming. So I was wrong on that, too. I thought 100% they're taking offensive tackle in the top 38, depending trades, of course. But I thought they're a guarantee. Yeah. I thought Kwame was going to be the pick at four. We were, we were doing, we were at MetLife for the draft. We were yeah. doing a live stream. And I, I think I said a Kwanu at four. I don't yeah. remember who you said. I think I landed on actually I think I said a Kwanu was I was believing the reporting. That sure. Kwanu, they all were plugging that the, the beats. And they were saying yeah. Kwanu's high, tackles high, O line's high. Believed it. <laughs> and beyond it, right? Because like so instant. I, I shared several clips. Again, I try to I don't try to selectively share. I try to share when a thing happens. So for instance, Dane Brugler joined uh, the road show. That's her podcast. Yeah. And he said from what I heard, Mackay Beckham's played his last snap. And then you hear the inner beat saying, oh, Aquanu is super on the board. Connor Rogers said he, he to Connor Rogers said again, because it's his own board, he could do whatever he wants. Number one overall player on my board and the Jets love him. And I'm like, well, shoot, if he's there, like, and, and all this national outside reporting, even outside the beat, it seemed like it was double dipping that they were going to do it. So again, that part shocked me. But regardless, if you went offensive line or corner, you didn't go wide receiver or edge. Like, how does it how does it work out? Like, you have 10, you have 35, you have 38. So 10, you could get another one. If Jermaine makes it to the turn, you get your edge. If the wide receiver run doesn't start, Atlanta ends up getting Drake London. Like, you're like, man, how do you do it unless you trade up? And that was a popular thing about Jack Mans. Okay, we'll package some combination of 35, 38 and your other picks and move back up for someone who's sliding. And ultimately, that ends up being Jermaine Johnson. So they ended up checking off all the boxes, but I was scared, crapless. So they go yeah. sauce, they go Garrett Wilson. I'm like, great. But man, you screwed yourself at edge. And I love the I love the second tier edge guys, Arnold Arnold Ebiketti, Boye Mafe, but yep. they just weren't obviously in the same category. And I thought edge was an incredible need because you don't know what you're getting back from Carl Lawson, obviously. Uh, so yeah, to, to then move up and get Jermaine Johnson, that is the cherry on top. And so is Brees Hall for that matter. But Jermaine Johnson getting the edge either way. And as the Jets said, after, you know, three of their top eight players, you know, coming away with all of them, that was the yep. thing I was always scared about. Whatever you ignore at four and 10, because you have to ignore something. You can't get everything at those two spots. What happens on the back end? They end up solving other problems anyway. I've, Brandon always I've said says, this. 
I'll let you. I want you to dive into. I've, I've said mean, this for every one of Douglas's drafts. He's yeah. been very lucky. He yeah. plays a dangerous game sometimes. His luck will yes. run out at some point, but yeah. he, he made it work somehow. And it's crazy because they they said that the front office said they were trying to trade up around fifteen for Johnson, Correct. and right. they waited what ten more spots and still got him. Eleven more, yeah, twenty-six. Yeah. His, his luck will run out, but right now I'm I'm not worried because he he did what he said he was going to do. He's getting Zach help, and even these improvements on the defense, like yeah. the run defense was horrendous last year. Jermaine Johnson's a really good run defender too, so yeah. that's great. And when you have a good defense, your offense doesn't have to come out every five minutes or so. So it's 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 definitely helpful. Uh, I. Feel like people underrate the a good defense because it, it does help the offense in some way and the whole theme right now is helping Zach and it might be a hot take from both of us but I think Spence you agree if if Wilson does fail this year I I think Douglas has shown enough that he gets another chance with another quarterback. I feel like they have yeah. yeah they have the infrastructure around that like they've shown or they've earned my confidence which mm. might mean nothing for them certainly does <laughs> yeah, yeah but like I feel this is. They know what they're doing. They got to perform now. Simply, they they clearly have a plan and they executed pretty well this year, more than pretty well, strongly this off season. So yeah, as what Brandon was saying, like yeah, let's hope Zach is the one. We all are hoping, right. that. but if Fingers not, crossed, yeah. and a veteran happens to be on the market that they need to make a move or could make a move for, they're positioned to take care of that next year. Simply, which is which is a great spot to be in. I know sure. strong term of great. It really is. You can go. Either it works out or you pivot. Simply. Yeah, right. So either way. And I want to go back to Brandon's point real quick because it's the reverse luck, right? So you mentioned, Brandon, that they tried to trade up to 15 to get Jermaine Johnson. They ultimately got him at 26. They tried to trade up for Brees Hall at the back end of the first round. The fact that they didn't and they end up with their players, because if you trade up to 15, the Jets likely would have had to give up both second round picks. Yep. The entire dynamic of the rest of the draft changes if mm-hmm. they take that call. The rest of the draft changes if the back end of the first round takes that call instead of you giving up what was a fifth round. So, man, I can only imagine what the PFF people would have been saying if they ended up trading up for both of those and gave up everything that would have been necessary. So only God can help us from what the pro football focus overlords would have said at that point. But the fact of the matter is that reverse luck, the fact that he tried to do it and he couldn't actually worked out great for the Jets. Again, that's part of his luck that eventually run out, but that he called, 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 called. It didn't happen. It still got his guy. That means they ultimately gave up less in trade than they would have had to otherwise. So uh, yep. they were reverse lucky from that standpoint that that ended up working out in that way. Yeah, it's, it's look, we're all happy about it. At the end of the day, sure. luck can go your way. And it did simply for us all. So Guess you know after this strong well, yeah, strong offseason, what are your expectations now heading into the season? It's uh, I think that's an interesting question for all Jets fans. It, it's pretty uh, it's a it's a wide answer I would say. There's a <laughs> lot of different expectations of very high, still low. So what are your where are you on with that right now? For me and everyone is different. I know for sure that uh, every Jets fan is different. I am an optimistic guy. I like looking at the glass half full because to be honest with you, and I've said this kind of phrase on any show I've been on in the history of anything, we don't control in life, football, whatever, the hand we're dealt. We just get it. Like the dealer deals it out. I look and that's a hand. I can't control it. What I can't control is how I react to it. So, you know, if you get a crappy hand and then you just throw up your hands, ah, man, see, the Jets always get screwed. Here's what it is. And then you just whine about it. Like, that's not going to change anything. We know people like that. 
Yeah. So to me, again, I may be different than the next guy. I look at it and say, you know what? Screw this. Let's look at it the best possible way. Let's look at it through a positive light. Again, if you could control your own infectious energy, like if I'm positive, other people will be positive. If I'm negative, other people will be negative. So I don't try to buy into that. So from that perspective, what are expectations? Now we're we're throwing the billboard line, playing meaningful games in December. What the hell does that mean? For me, I think that the Jets and I'll just throw it out there. I want playoffs. I want playoffs, and I think it's possible. I think it's realistic, and I guarantee it in another show, so I'll do it here too. Uh, the Jets are making the playoffs. I think they're going to make it, it as the seventh seed in the playoffs. And again, it's not just hot air. Like, oh, wow, that's a cool, sexy thing to say in May. Like, I believe it. I get it. All we can run through, if you, someone Googles the AFC standings, you'll go through all those quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, again, Josh. I'm going to miss them because there's so many. Russell Wilson, Sean Watson, all these guys. You go through them, you're like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Where the hell do the Jets fit in there? They're going to beat up each other. Teams are going to be better than we think they are. Teams are going to be worse than we think they are. There are teams right now in May. We're like, wow, Super Bowl contender and an injury or God knows what happens. They blow up. We're like, well, they suck. Wow. Okay. That's an opportunity. And those exist throughout the entire season. So to me, I think the Jets can certainly make the playoffs. And why not? Again, it all rides on Zach Wilson. That's the oversimplistic thing to say. But the fact of the matter is Zach Wilson does not have to be crazy. He does not have to be Superman for them to reach those heights. The talent is so good on offense. And again, pinch myself like this isn't a dream that I just said those words. It's not opposite day, not April Fool's Day. Like they've got so much stupid talent on this offense and by virtue on their defense as well. But offense specifically that Zach Wilson should be able to do whatever the heck he wants. Everything is there. And if he maximizes his talent and potential, shoot. Who knows how good they can be? But to me, when I did the initial, so basically what I did is I know the schedule technically came out before, but I waited till it was official at eight o'clock. I waited five minutes. I looked at the schedule. I said, okay, let's do this. Jumped on live. And I just picked the schedule off the cuff. No real thought. Just like, you know, my gut reaction. And I had the Jets somewhere in the eight and nine, nine and eight ballpark. And to me, I just, when I evaluate a schedule, I look at who are the quarterbacks they play. And Deshaun Watson, again, we don't know what's going to happen, but to me, it's at least a minimum two games as mentioned, if not longer. So you're playing Jacoby Brissett. Okay. Then you play Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky. Okay. And then the two divisional games, which again, Buffalo is incredibly difficult for all. They're really good. But then Miami, noodle arm to it. Okay. And then you go to the second half of schedule. You're playing Geno Smith or Drew Locke. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and and you start counting them up. You're like, hell yeah, they can make a run. It's about surviving the first half of the schedule. It's about going five and four, four and five, somewhere in that ballpark. And again, I I even think the quote-unquote impossible games like Baltimore, you have four months to prepare. Figure it out. It's a tough matchup, obviously. You got four months. That's the game I'd I'd want four months of preparation for. Week two is Jacoby Brissett, likely. So, okay, you're telling me you can't beat him. Week three, you have the Bengals, but your C team beat the Bengals last year. The Jets should walk into that game with swag and walk in there saying, hell yeah, we can. The Bengals are the ones who should be pissed. They all think everyone in the football world thinks it was a fluke. Well, it's uh, the pressure's on the Bengals, not the Jets. The Bengals are the one that blew it last year. So again, as you start to progress to the schedule, and then you have Dolphins, Patriots work, which are critically important. And by the way, you can't circle any of those as wins because the Jets are freaking 0-12 in the AFC over the last two years. So it's put up or shove. They got to step up to the plate to be able to show that. And then I talked about all the crappy games during the second half. To me, it's possible. It's not even crazy possible. I'm not, I'm not doing a weird voodoo dance with a magical shrine off camera to make it happen. I mean, it's it's real, and Jet Fincher should buy the hype. They should not just 
like, you know, have this loser's mentality. Well, the AFC is really tough. Well, boo-hoo. Change sports, you loser. Like, do something different then. Like, show some optimism and freaking buy in, for God's sakes. I'm just sick of, like, I get it. Ten of the last 11 years, and I wish I didn't know all these stats off the top of my head, but here we are. Ten of the last 11 years, the Jets have had a losing season. Losing. Like, seven and nine or worse, and now we're in the 17-game era. The only one was a 10 and six year, which also sucked because they ended up not even making the playoffs that year. So I get it. Jet fans are down in the mouth. They've been hurt, okay? They they have battle scars. They go to their therapist every Thursday to talk about what the Jets have done to them in their lives. I get it, but you know what? Get over it, Sally. Sack up, and let's see what we can freaking do and i think they got the talent and i think the schedule is while quite difficult but not impossible i think uh, certainly uh, the world is their oyster this year very few games they should not be in simply when i take yes the- i think it's a great way to put honestly, it. honestly i'll put the two out there is denver and buffalo i don't think i'm and i don't put green bay into that category right Interesting. Now. i really don't yeah outside of those two teams like you should be able to be competitive in every single game i don't fear those afc north teams as maybe some others do. This is not the no, I don't. of the yeah. past. I know we have months to dive into that matchup, so I won't go sure. down that hole because Brandon knows <laughs> I could already start doing that. But absolutely love that. It's it's I don't know. You gotta clear at least they're over under a five and a half at a minimum. Oh, easy over. But I, I love what you're saying there. Playoffs, seven seed, eight to nine wins. I think that's early. I think that's the floor. Yeah. Point, that's where I'm at right now. But I'm sure we'll know in the summer we'll have a I'll make my defined answer on that. So, yeah, Brandon. Yeah, I, I think seven should be the floor, and then anything above that, I think, would be great if they make the playoffs. I would love it. I, I, I can see them losing out on the seven seed by one game, but I think they should be competitive, like you said, and I think we all should be very excited. And with that, we do just have two minutes left of the recording, so I did not want you to get cut off, Paul, before we were able to thank you for coming on. Very fun conversation. And of course, we would ask you if you want to promote any uh, of your channels, any of your work. Go ahead so our listeners can check you out. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, as you see, it's actually kind of cool. You are the first Jets podcast outside of a rival interview site. This is the first Jets podcast content action that's happened with the new student, the new mic that you see, and the pop filter and all that. So, and the headphones, everything. So it's a it's a new product. So I'm really proud uh, that uh, we've been able to reinvest into this and uh, get some even more content. But uh, yeah, the main thing that I would like to promote is a uh, YouTube. I- I've been doing a lot of live streams and cool interviews. So we had a, the best NFL draft offseason ever of superstar guests like Damian Woody, Connor Hughes, Connor Rogers. Trevor Sikama, former players, ESPN analysts. Like, well, it's been amazing. And, and the response from the fans has been crazy. So uh, my one plea out there, if you haven't already, is uh, YouTube.com slash BoyGreen25. It's Jets content all day, every day. Hit the subscribe button and join the family and at BoyGreen25 everywhere. And uh, I love interacting with fans, even when it's beyond the streams and being able to do that stuff. So, yeah, it was awesome to come on anytime, guys. And uh, thanks, uh, thanks for thinking of me. Definitely. And I can attest to it. Check out the YouTube show. I've watched. I've sent you questions. You've responded yes, to it. It's a yeah. blast. I enjoy it a ton. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining. This was awesome. We're uh, all very excited. <laughs> Should <Yeah>. be. September. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah, thanks again, Paul. And hopefully we will speak to you soon. Can't wait. Thanks, man. Definitely. Thank, thank you, you, Paul. All right, Spence, another 
good episodes. Really enjoyed that conversation with Paul. Very charismatic. Paul, he was great. I know he's probably your favorite interview for us so far. Yeah, terrific discussion. Just Paul, you have the energy. And the one comment I'll make is I hope the team can have that same energy throughout the season as well. <laughs> Otherwise, they got to get you in the coaching room with them. <laughs> I, I guess you can rival Salah's energy. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I hope that's what Salah's doing day to day. It, uh, I could feel the energy right now. <laughs> yeah. It was a, such a good conversation today. Yeah, so it was a fun conversation. We'll be taking a break for a few weeks. Nothing really much to talk about. We'll give you guys a break from listening to us, listening to us for, for a few weeks as well. But if you would like to follow us on our social handles, you can follow us on Instagram at the good, the bad, and the Jets pod. You can follow us on Twitter at good, bad, Jets pod. And you can follow me on Twitter at Verified. Yep. Thank you, Brandon. As always, you can check me out on Twitter at sklein8241033 and on TikTok at nyjetssk824. All right. Well, we hope you all enjoyed your Memorial Day weekends. Enjoy the unofficial official start of summer and make sure you stay positive and test negative. Thanks, everyone. Thank <laughs> you.